England have just completed an historic tour of Bangladesh, during which Bangladesh lost the one-day series, but whitewashed the world champions in the T20 internationals. This is the Bangladesh Cricket Podcast, and I'm Roshan Allen. And joining me, long-term collaborator on this podcast, the man behind the Sight Screen Cricket Podcast, and a man who was out there in Bangladesh for much of this series, Pauhit Qureshi. Welcome back to the Bangladesh Cricket Podcast. Hey, Roshan. Great to be back. Uh, always, always love chatting cricket with you. I should say, before we even hit record, you and I have been on for about 10 minutes discussing cricket already, and um, it took a conscious effort for me to remember to hit record, because <laughs> otherwise we could have carried on. Absolutely, we could have, we could have carried on for hours. Um, so, I mean, England have been and gone to Bangladesh in a in a 14-day tour, and it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I think when you end the series or end a tour well, you kind of come off it with a sense of joy, which I think rightfully we have because we beat them 3-0 in the T20 series. And I think pretty much everyone across the board probably expected the series results to be the other way around. Maybe Bangladesh get a win in the one day as, and possibly stand no chance against you know a really strong you know T20, T20 outfit in England. So let's go back to the one dayers. And Bangladesh obviously lost 2-1 and... There's been a lot of debate and a lot of conversation about why we lost those sort of first two matches. And for me, and it'd be great to get your thoughts on this, I think Bangladesh had a a decision to make with this one-day series. And that decision was either go for the win against the one remaining team they hadn't beaten, protect that unbeaten home record since 2016, and play on these heavy turning pitches, as they did against Australia, as they did against New Zealand. But as we know, those series against Australia and New Zealand, go down as Bangladesh wins in the record books, but serve no long-term purposes. And we went to the next World Cup and we were the worst team there, pretty much. And so I I think they chose the right decision to create slightly more sporting pitches. I say sporting, it's relative. I mean, 246 in Chattagram probably doesn't sound like a lot to chase, but for, I think, for Bangladesh cricket fans, that's probably higher than average. And I don't think... I, I don't want to say that the, the decision backfired because I don't think it did. And I think Bangladesh, would, despite losing T1, would probably have gained a lot more from this series than had they just done the, the t- typical turning pitches and, you know, given England an examination by spin. And even with these slightly more sporting pitches, I still think had the subtle nuances of each game, the first two games gone differently, had we put 20, 30, 40 more runs on in the first match, had Tamim batted instead of bowled in the second, the result could have been very different. What do you reckon? What do you think? What's your What was your take being out there and watching the series? Yeah, no, I I agree with uh, a lot of that. I think sometimes, you know, the the whole pitch sort of conversation is a little bit of a red herring, I would say, in the in the sense that yeah, like you say, those two those two series uh, back in 2021 against uh, New Zealand and Australia, they were really outliers in terms of, uh, you know, pitches that are produced. So, so both of those series were played in Dhaka. We know it was during, uh, you know, sort of the pandemic or, you know, coming out of the pandemic, if you like. And, you know, not not to sort of go over you know that that the sort of the history of those series but you know those those pitches were really poorly prepared i think they they barely had time to to prepare those pitches just after a bpl which i think again something like 90% of the games in that bpl tournament were were played in dhaka so so those pitches were were as you say you know quite extreme in the way they behaved but 
I would say, and again, it'd be interesting, I'm sure, to to maybe do some stats on this. If you take out those two series, yes, um, generally pitches in Ducker, I would say in general, yeah, they do turn. We know that the pass scores are are a bit lower than than in general, but they're not. You know, I think the pass score for for ODIs is something around two thirty, two forty for T twenties. Again, it's something around. 130, 140. So, yeah, th- those pass scores are probably, I don't know, 30 odd runs off, I don't know, a, an average pass score, maybe in a, on a wicket in, in England or, uh, you know, elsewhere. But they're not, you know, they're not still hugely a million miles away. Um, so, I guess the point that I'm trying to make in a roundabout way is that, yeah. Pitches in Dhaka and to a lesser extent, I guess, in, in Chittagong and Chattagram do, yeah, we, we know they're turning they're turning wickets, but the, the thing is they're not the worst pitches in the world. And what we've seen in this series is that if as a batter in particular, you know, you can apply yourself, you can um kind of uh play through um you know, play yourself in basically, you know, play through your, play through that sort of unsteady uh, period at the start of an innings. If you can kind of see yourself through that, you will score runs. And, you know, that that's exactly what happened in the ODI series, you know, Darwin Milan with his century in the first game and uh, Jason Roy again with a, with a big century again in the second game. So, you know, it's, it's the sort of pitches that yes, let's, let's be honest, they are difficult to bat on, but they do reward, they they do reward excellence and skill eventually. Do you think we underestimated England's batting in the second one day? Because I'd say in the first one, Bangladesh were probably 30, 40 runs short. And had we won that game, I wonder if the trajectory of the of the series would have gone differently. But I wonder whether because Tommy McBell won the toss and put England into into bat first. And I wonder off the back of the first one day whether he looked at that England batting line and thought, well, only one of their batsmen can really play in these conditions. And so let's skittle them out and chase. And obviously they put on a 300 plus and Bangladesh never really looked like they were in the chase. Do, do, do you think, what do you think that was probably a key turning point in the series perhaps? Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, certainly that decision for England to bat first kind of flummoxed everyone. I remember being in the press box. It was like, hang on, why Why did you do that? You know, you, you play, you know, you almost won that first game if it wasn't for that. Uh, Darwin Milan century and sort of partnership he put on with Adil Rashid towards the end of that game. So, yeah, it was it was a real, you know, decision that was um, one that you couldn't understand. But actually, interestingly, the, yeah, my take on it is it was in a way, trying to play to Bangladesh's strengths. So I think that, you know, Tamim had a look at, you know, well, he, he obviously knows his team inside out. And I think, you know, if you look at the team on paper, actually, yeah, their, their strength is in their bowling. So if you, again, if you go back to that first ODI to have England sort of seven down, um, and what they still need is sort of fifty odd, a bit more than that, I think, to to win the game. It was really the bowlers who 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 kind of you know almost got them there. So I think that was probably Tummins' uh, kind of thought process going into that and and putting England in. Let's put them in. Let's unleash our 
our bowlers uh, who, let's face it, you know, really good balanced attack at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and let's hope that you know they can they can restrict England. Obviously, that didn't happen. No, of course. But uh, I, I I think that was probably his his thinking. And then, of course, the third ODI where Shakib kicked him to gear, as we'd hoped he would might have done from the start, but Bangladesh sort of playing as we um, know and love them to. Um, question for you, sort of being on the ground out there, how much did the the Shakib Tamim new story kind of I don't want to describe it as a cloud I don't put words in your mouth but obviously from journalists and friends I've spoken to it sounds like this is uh, this is not an, it's not a new thing this this Tamim Shaki thing has existed for quite some time some people claim that they've forgotten why they felt or fell out in the first place but of course the timing of of the interview and you and I know that um Popon loves to give an interview he's not camera shy he he doesn't hold back on opinions on team selection on player behavior and so obviously he, he revealed that this, this this feud had existed between Tamim and Shakib. Do you think that created a sort of distraction for the players early on in this in the tour? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good question. I guess, you know, in some ways, possibly, well, I mean, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. If, I mean, it sounds like I'm totally sitting on the fence. No, that, that's as balanced uh, as you can be. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, Yes, obviously, I think, you know, what, you know, Popon's press conferences always kind of add fuel to the fire. And yeah, the, the interview that he did as well uh, with Craig Buzz, I think, yeah, just, just kind of adding fuel to the fire. So undoubtedly, yeah, it created a lot of noise um, around the issue, sort of just in the lead up to, to the series. But what I would say is, you know, I often think that, you know, guys like Tamim and Shakib, you know, they've been playing international cricket for, what, 15 years, I guess, uh, maybe even longer. And they're so used to kind of having to deal, particularly in Bangladesh, when you're in Bangladesh, you know, I, I often describe Bangladesh cricket as a bit of a goldfish bowl in the, um, you know, the 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 media all the all the people within sort of bangladesh cricket media all the players all the coaches there's not a huge number of them but maybe i'm not expressing this really well but you know they they're all kind of very concentrated i guess and they're all sort of in the same place at the same time uh, a lot of the time so it often creates this kind of yeah sense of 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 things being disproportionately sort of louder and, and more extreme than they actually are. So I guess, yeah, both kind of Tamim and Shakib, I think they've just become experts at, at just kind of dealing with all the stuff. You though. do need a thick skin to, to to be in Bangladesh cricket and to play for two decades. I think Tamim and Shakib probably have amongst the thickest in world sport. Um, the T20 series then obviously say Bangladesh completing a, an historic um, whitewash 3-0 against the world champions. Um, and I know that, that, that there's been a lot of debate about the England side having only five batters and weakened team, etc. But that takes nothing away from what I think were actually genuinely good performances from Bangladesh during this series. I mean, putting on, you know, 150-odd scores, especially off the back of a BPL, where I think we, maybe we were worried that the lack of star players, the lack of big hitting, the, the, the kind of the, the, the abundance of quite average low-scoring matches would maybe carry forward. But in fact, what seemed to carry forward was a confidence and form. And, and I, you know, I know we, you and I have spoken about Nazmul Hussain Chandra a lot. Um, 
as a player who maybe has been in the squad for a long time. And, you know, I've I've been critical of his performances and going, actually, here's his form there. But he has become a real revelation for Bangladesh in this in, in, in this series and seemingly has carried that form from the BPL where he was with the top score of 500 odd runs in that in, in in the BPL. And for me, like the new players came good in this series. And I I for me that 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 feels like it's a really exciting moment for Bangladesh cricket and the T20 side because it feels like, I don't know, as a Bangladesh fan, you can get used to having a big win and going, this is it, this is the eve of change. And then you go back to the usual performance in the next series. But um, but Nazmul Hussain Shantho, Tawhid um, Thridoy, Ronnie Talukdar, all coming through the BPL and then performing for the national side straight away, it felt like a really positive thing. And it felt like a, a, you know, a good reflection of the BPL. And... A good thing for the T20 side. I mean, is, is this is this where the Bangladesh T20 side turns a corner? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I, I, I certainly hope that they build on it. I mean, just going back to what you said right at the top there in terms of, yeah, I, I thought it was very Bangladesh to not win the ODIs and do the unexpected and, and kind of win the T20s 3-0 where everyone kind of, always knows that, you know, Bangladesh T20 cricket, they just haven't been able to crack it for whatever reason. But, but yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say about the BPL. I would actually go back sort of further, further back uh, than the BPL. And I would say, even though, you know, the, the, the T20 World Cup in Australia back sort of last November, yeah, Bangladesh didn't do particularly well. But I would say there were certainly sort of signs there of a slightly different sort of shift in mentality. So, you know, particularly that game against India, um, which we all know, you know, Bangladesh should have won. Not going to go back into the reasons why they didn't win it. But but certainly if you look at the way that they approach that game against India and OK, on the face of it, it sounds like stuff, you know, tactics at normal, you know, that that an average kind of sort of top four, top five team would carry out, i.e., you know, really attacking the power plays, carrying on that attack into the middle overs and, you know, really taking on, uh, you know, targeting certain bowlers. So there, there were sort of elements of that, certainly in that game against India in the T20 World Cup. And, it, it yeah, they've definitely kind of... Um, yeah, develop more along those lines. And I would say, yeah, I'm not sure if it was a defining moment, you could say, in the series, but certainly one that made me really sort of sit up and take notice was in that first T20i where basically, yeah, like you say, Shantu, who is, let's face it, yeah, we like you say, we've, we've had loads of uh, chats about him in the past. Um, but, you know, the way that he took down Mark Wood in that first OD, uh, first T20i was was thrilling, you know, four four fours in a row, but the fact that he did it against you know one of England's premier fast bowlers, you know, everyone talks about Mark Wood, Joffre Archer, those two being uh, you know the the spearhead for England potentially, you know, looking towards the Ashes this summer, you know, those two guys are going to sort of bring the Ashes home and all that sort of stuff. So for for him to to do that against uh, Mark Wizard is a real statement, I thought, and yeah, a real statement of intent. And um, yeah, and like you say, that there's there's certainly the way I see it is there's there's like a a real sort of spine 
developing within the team that, that looks pretty formidable. So Litton Darcy, it was good to see him back in the runs in the last uh, T20i. But yeah, you've got Litton now, you've got Shantu, and then, you know, you've got um, Mehdi uh, Hassan Miraz. Who I've said for a long time is the future of Bangladesh cricket. I've said this for a very long time. He is the future. Absolutely. He's always going to chip in either with runs or, or or with wickets. And then you've got Tuskin, you know, as, as the attack leader. So I would say those four players are kind of the future if you look at um, sort of developing the team going forward. So, yeah, it was exciting. It, it was good to see. Hugely deserved. Uh, it's a bit of a shame in some ways that the next T20 World Cup isn't isn't for about another sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, it's very true. Um, there was some criticism of um, Mr. Bizarrahman during the during the series. I know, obviously, in the, in the final match, he took his um, 100th wicket in, in T20 internationals. Was any of that justified? Because I know there were calls for Hassan Mahmoud to, to be put in the team instead of uh, ahead of his. And obviously, Hassan Mahmoud came good in that T20 series. We, you know, particularly that first uh T20 taking those two wickets for I think what, 20 25 26 odd runs I think it was so you know clearly a, 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 a talent that Bangladesh do need to nurture is Mr Fizz a kind of I in my eyes I think he might be the victim of an assumption now that certain players are always going to be in the starting lineup that that old guard and I think particularly after that line in Popham's interview of, of um a, a former captain allegedly saying we should not let new players in and keep the same lineup is, is Fizz under pressure for his side his place in the side or or, or is he still an important team, like team, player, an important member of the starting eleven. It's again great question. I, I wouldn't say he's under pressure as such. I mean, the way that I would see it, and I think the way that all sort of international teams view these, you know, view their bowlers now is as a bowling unit, really. So the way that I see Mustafa is now, you know, again, I don't think anyone should really be guaranteed a place on on the. You know, on the team sheet necessarily, if if their form doesn't kind of merit it. But what you know, the way that I sort of view Fizz is, yes, he's always kind of maybe blown hot or cold a little bit, kind of throughout his his career in general. Yeah, I mean, just watching him, you know, through through the through the ODIs and the uh, the T20s this time around, it looked like he'd maybe lost a little bit of his snap. For, for whatever reason, in the way that he was bowling. But, you know, the way that I view him is that he's, yeah, he's a vital kind of asset within that bowling unit. And and as you were saying, it's such an exciting bowling unit now that that's starting to emerge. So, like you said, Hassan Mahmoud, uh, really kind of exciting young uh, young bowler, Ebedot even came in. I think he played in one of the one of the ODIs. He's he's there as well. Obviously, Tuskin leading the attack. Um, so yeah, and you know, even if you look at Red Bull cricket, you've got Carla Ahmed uh, as well in the background. So I think as a whole, that's just such a such an exciting kind of prospect. And yes, Mustafiz, he did look off colour, but I would say. It's it's almost a similar case with Liton Das, you know, Liton Das for whatever reason, yeah, was was off colour until that that last T Twenty iron, and Mustafiz undoubtedly, you know, has done it for Bangladesh time and time again in 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 the past, and I'm sure he'll he'll come good again. I'm sure he'll do it again. Um, so next focus then goes to almost immediately an Ireland series, and, it, and it's the return of a, a full multi-format series. This feels like a big and healthy tour, which we've not had for a while. Um, also great to see 
multiple locations being used. So cricket will return to Sillet, who will host the three one-day internationals before moving to Chattagrom for the three T20s and then a test match in Mirapur. So, I mean, more of the, we just want more of the same from Bangladesh here, don't we, really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they should they should be on a bit of a high, certainly after that T20 series. And yeah, I mean, it's like you say, it's great to be playing uh, so much cricket in in a, in a short space of time, and and to kind of capitalise on the uh, the the win in the T Twenty series. In terms of the the opposition, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, Ireland, you know, bit of a cliche, but it shouldn't shouldn't be taken lightly at all. Uh, they've you know they've had a couple of guys who were involved in the BPL. Balburnie, the captain, was 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 uh, played a few games towards the end of the BPL. So there's people within the the island team who are familiar with conditions. Um, the one thing that's interesting, so I joined the 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 island uh, press conference yesterday via Zoom, and yeah, Harry Harry Tector, uh, the the island batter there. It was quite refreshing to hear from him. I mean, in particular, talking about the Test match and and how almost apprehensive. You know, he was going into that uh, test match purely because Ireland hardly play any red ball cricket at all. You know, forget about test matches, even first class cricket in, in terms of the Irish structure is, mm. um, you know, the, the first class games that a lot of those guys play are few and far between. So, yeah, I would expect, you know, Bangladesh to, to sort of come out on top. Um, certainly on that te- in that test match, I'd expect you know Ireland maybe to to win a game or two uh, in the white ball uh, leg of the tour. But yeah, I I would expect Bangladesh to to do well. And finally, you and I should probably speak about something that you we've known for a little while, but has become formal news this morning. Essex Cricket are going to be hosting an Ireland v Bangladesh series in May. So this is part of the um, World Cup World Super Series, World Cup Super League series. Um, Ireland basically will be effectively using the ground in Chelmsford as their their home ground. And fundamentally, what it means is Bangladesh are coming back to England, which is great news for Bangladesh fans, listeners to this podcast, that, yeah, that we're going to see Bangladesh in a surprise surprise series this summer. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's the news that all UK-based uh, Bangladesh cricket followers have have been uh, eagerly waiting for and yeah it's 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 great news and you know it's it it really kind of speaks to you know i guess the prime reason that you kind of you know start started up the bungalow cricket podcast it's one of the prime reasons why i kind of started up site screen cricket journal is to kind of cater for this you know this this thirst around uh, Bangladesh cricket within the UK. It does it does exist. It's 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 definitely there. And yeah, it's just a real shame uh, that you know there there haven't been more bilateral series between England, I guess, and, and Bangladesh primarily over well over the last decade. It's quite interesting actually. Only this morning, yeah, there was a piece uh, in the, the Daily Mirror. Said that, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Tamim gave uh, Tamim Iqbal gave uh, an interview in the in the Daily Mirror today or yesterday, and he was talking about the fact that you know it's very disappointing that that Bangladesh haven't been invited over for bilateral series in in England. Um, but 
Yeah, let's, um, I, well, just on that, it was quite interesting in terms of uh, on the tour uh, back in Bangladesh that a lot of the ECB top brass were actually in, in Bangladesh, in Bangladesh, certainly for the ODI series. So I'm pretty sure I saw in the team hotel, Richard Thompson was there. Rob Key was there as well, actually. Uh, Richard Thompson, Richard Gould and Rob Key. So those are like, you know, the, the most senior. Big, big, big. Players, yeah, big players. The most senior figures within the ECB. And I think there are some talks going on kind of behind the scenes around, you know, trying to squeeze in a, a bilateral series in the UK at some point. So, yeah, I mean, fantastic news that, that uh, Bangladesh are coming over to play Ireland in Chelmsford. I'm, let's, let's hope that those will be sellouts. I'm sure they will be. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Likewise, a lot of cricket to look forward to from Bangladesh. Powered, thank you so much for joining us on the Bangladesh Cricket Podcast. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It's been brilliant. And thank you for listening to the Bangladesh Cricket Podcast. As ever, like, subscribe, share, spread the word. Uh, and, and thank you for being part of this community of uh, Bangladesh cricket fans. We'll see you for the next one very soon.